Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. This is going to be one of the most important teachings that you'll ever hear that's going to bring you out of a place of perpetual need of deliverance, perpetual need of breakthrough, a perpetual need of help. You know, God did not create you to always be needing help. God did not create you to always be in a state where you need deliverance, where you need assistance. You weren't anointed to be uh, someone who needs assistance, you were anointed to be the assistance to your generation. And there's far too many believers that they literally come to church and the church is a nursery. They're still trying to break free from the elementary principles of this, the elementary bondage of this world. They're still trying to break free from things that Christians 10 years after being born again should not be struggling with. There has to come a point in your Christianity, in your walk with God, where like Jesus said, John 8, 32, when you know the truth, when you understand the devil seeks to do one thing is to blind people from the truth. Because Jesus said, when you know the truth, the devil has no power. He has no authority. He has no ability to uh, invade your life anymore. Once the truth comes in, the scripture says, ye shall be set free. And whom the Son sets free, that means Jesus works to set people free from his truth. Whom the Son sets free, how? By knowing the truth, by receiving the truth. Whom the Son sets free shall be free and totally free indeed. So how do we come by freedom? How? do we receive lasting and I'm not talking about I feel free for six months and then I'm, I've got some other you know mess that I have to deal with I'm not talking about a three-month break a three-month sabbatical where the devil leaves you alone for a momentary time I'm talking about lasting freedom I'm talking about total freedom I'm talking about all around rest that's the that's the message for the body of Christ here on the earth today for far too long we have been fighting the devil from a position of defense literally just trying to bear manage his work in our life. God didn't call you to manage Satan's attack. God called you to break free from the attack and then be on the attack, to no longer be harassed. There's too many Christians that are being harassed by devils. Too many people that are harassed by, by, by demon spirits, by tormenting spirits. Too many Christians that live uh, far below the redemptive place and they're, they're the ones being harassed when the Lord has called you to do the harassing. You're the one who's supposed to be doing harassing. You're the one who's supposed to be the tormenting force. You're the one not to be disturbed, but to be the one that is a disturbing force against hell. And so if the devil can keep you blinded to what I'm about to preach you today, you're going to live a very tough life. You're going to have a hard time. You're going to constantly be needing someone to pray for you, constantly thinking that if I just type amen, I'll be free, or constantly being the one that's like if I can just get that trip to Israel and be around the way the, the western wall and if I can just put my prayer request into that little uh, concrete establishment and just slip my prayer request through the walls then I'll finally have God hear my prayer and I'll be free if I can just get a vial of the water of the sea of Galilee and drink that that'll mark my freedom if I can just get some oil that's exactly after the ordinance from Leviticus how they told us to, the mixture of spices and put that on my I finally will be free. That's not the that's not God's program of freedom for you. God's program of freedom is very clear. 
And it's very simple. And the devil seeks to get people to come out of the simplicity that is in the gospel. The gospel is simple. When you make it complex, you have very, very, when you make the gospel profound, you'll have very simple results, meaning you'll have very limited results. But when you make the gospel very simple, when you make the message of the cross very easy to understand, very simple, very uh, um true to its original state, then you'll have profound results. That's what, I mean, there's so many people who they live lives where their consciousness, they're always conscious about the devil. They're always conscious about what the enemy's doing in their life. They're so devil-oriented, they don't even know what God is doing. They're so focused on what Satan has done that they don't even know what God desires to do. They're so focused on demons this, demons that, and I'm, I just did a broadcast on how to cast out demons. I, I understand demons are real. I understand. I identify demons. I, I, I understand the origin of demons. I understand that they haven't left. They're still roaming the earth seeking human vessels to corrupt, to destroy, to, 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 to bring to desolation. But the fact remains true that when you magnify Satan, when all you do is focus on him, when all you do is talk about what the devil's doing and you completely ignore what God has done through Christ at that cross, you live far below your position that you have in redemption. And I want, to, I want to reiterate this. You're not fighting for victory. You're not fighting to be delivered. You're not fighting to be, de, uh, to, to be free. You're not fighting to break free. You're not from a position. We're not trying and striving and, and sweating to obtain something. We're looking back to what has been accomplished. We're looking back to what has been done. We're not striving for victory. Jesus did not obtain victory for himself himself. Jesus was the triumphant one. Jesus is the triumphant one. Jesus didn't come from heaven to earth so that he can have his sins forgiven, so that he can have his sicknesses healed, so that he can walk free from the devil. He was already free. He said it. All authority in heaven and on earth belongs to me. The Bible says no man can receive anything unless it is given by God. God holds all things in his hands. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the inhabitants and the the, the world and the inhabitants that dwell therein. God is the sovereign one. He, he, is, he takes charge. He didn't have to do all that for himself. He did that for you. He died and rose again so that you can walk in freedom. He obtained a victory, not for him. He was already the victorious, triumphant one. He obtained that victory for you. So we're not striving to obtain victory. We're looking back to the victory that Christ already accomplished for us at the cross when he disarmed and spoiled and destroyed principalities and powers he made a public show a humiliation of the kingdom of hell openly having triumphed over the devil who is their masters openly it wasn't done in a hidden place it wasn't done in a corner in a room somewhere it was a very public shame it, Jesus publicly shamed the devil once and for all so that we don't have to try and break free from him we just have to carry that power in us by the baptism in the Holy Ghost and enforce that victory everywhere our two feet land. Hallelujah. So share this broadcast. Get this out to as many people as possible. We're going to help a lot of people today. Today is going to be a day of embarrassment for hell. Today is going to be a day of mass destruction for the work of hell that he set up in your life. 
You are leaving the place of constantly needing a deliverance and you're entering into a place where you are now the deliverer. God has an end time program for his church and it's not that he comes back for a broken, bruised, battered and shattered church. The Bible says he is coming back for a glorious church. He's coming back with a, for a church that has no spot or wrinkle. He's coming back for a church that is occupying until he comes. He's coming back for a church that is in charge. The church is in charge the devil is not in charge the devil doesn't get to decide what happens to the church it's the church that has been given the keys of the kingdom of heaven that we can bind at will and we can loose at will and God is raising you up to be one of those end time deliverers you ever wonder why there's such a surge of, of demonically possessed people that are so excited about abortion that the devil is so strong on abortion right now that the devil has set up abortion clinics across this world to try and rip children out of the womb because the bible says obadiah 1 there's only one chapter obadiah 121 the prophecy is that in the last days it shall come to pass that god shall raise up deliverers shall raise up saviors little s saviors upon mount zion and that they're going to spread throughout the four corners of the earth so the same way god raised up moses in the day where Israel needed deliverance, what happened? God, uh, the devil stirred up Pharaoh to destroy every child under two. It was a, a, a mass annihilation of children. They were ripping pe uh, kids out of people's hands, parents' hands, and killing them because the devil wanted to make sure Moses never had a chance to even obey God. What happened? He failed, and Moses was born, and Moses was a god unto Pharaoh, and he rained judgment down, and the people of Israel were let go for free for free by the power of God and then you look at Jesus when God raised up Jesus the devil understood that there was going to be a promised seed that would rise up from the seed of Abraham from the seed of Adam from the seed of Eve and that he would be used to put an end a total end an eternal defeat to his kingdom and to his regime that he had set up and what happened when Jesus's birth was announced the devil stirred up Herod to kill every child under the age of two to try and strip Strip God of his plans for Jesus, for the Messiah, for the coming seed that would come to be the savior of the entire world. Well, he failed miserably then. And you know what? The devil had a ploy and a plan to kill you, to wipe you out, even from your mom. I mean, your mom could have had an abortion, but she didn't because God kept her and God kept you in that womb and you were delivered out without trouble and he's preserved you and kept you throughout all this time for years on years, for decades. You might be 40, 50, 60 years old and you're thinking, man, I I just got saved not too long ago. I wish I was saved when I was younger. Well, look, I'm telling you, God preserved you all these years so that now you can get to work and whatever you couldn't do up until now because you didn't know the gospel, God is going to make up the time. He's going to redeem the days that the enemy has stolen and God's going to use you mightily in these last years, in these last times before Jesus returns. Your days are not going down. You're not going to look back 15 years to the glory days. God is raising you up for such a time as this to put the devil on the run and to establish a great work for his kingdom before he comes back. You're not going to be found lazy and idle and stagnant doing nothing when he returns. You will be amongst those that are found working while it is yet day for night cometh when no man can work and you'll be a wise and faithful steward. That's going to be you. If you believe that for yourself, just type one in the comment section. God is raising you up today and that's why you've come on this broadcast because you can't be used by God if you're constantly needing help. You can't. You cannot be used by God if you're roped up and tied up and in bondage to the enemy's yoke of slavery that he seeks to entangle people with. 
Before you can be an agent of change, you need a change. Too many people are asking God for a help, a breakthrough, a deliverance. When God has brought total deliverance from the cross, and now we're to carry that to the people that are around us. Too many people are asking God for a help. They're asking God for, God, if you can just get me out of this thing. God, already, first of all, if you'd see it, he already brought you out of this thing. And, it, and, and it's, his desire to bring you out of this thing was not to get you into another thing. People are going from pit to pit. They're going from ditch to ditch. They're going from yoke to yoke. When the Bible says we're to go from glory to glory, we're to go from strength to strength, and we're to go from faith to faith. The Bible says the devil takes advantage of some, keeping them in ignorance. Keeping them in ignorance. We are not taking advantage of the devil because we're not ignorant of his devices. We're not ignorant of what he desires to do. The devil likes to paint a picture of himself as some majestic being, as some big, angry, um, two-horned, red tail, pitchfork, fiery eyes, all red skin type of devil where he's just, you know, you, don't, you really don't want to even walk by him today lest he should slap you and break you. But if you'd understand from the scriptures that he doesn't look like that. If you'd understand that actually Jesus said, all, Matthew 28, 19, all authority and all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Well, if you're a mathematician, then you can understand that if all power has been given to someone, that leaves that there's no power available for anyone else. The devil doesn't have, contrary to what maybe some of you have heard, the devil actually doesn't have any power. He has no authority. The only ability he has is the ability to deceive. It's the ability to trick. It's the ability to get people to believe wrong and to believe in proper things about him, about God, and about themselves. I mean, you look at in the Garden of Eden. What was the devil's subtle ploy? What was his trick? What was his, his, his crafty uh, weapon that he used to get Adam and Eve booted out of the Garden of Eden. Did God really say that you, if you would eat of this fruit, you would surely die? Oh, you won't die. God's just worried that if you eat of this fruit, you'll be like him. And not even knowing, you know, if Adam and Eve had just read the scriptures, God already created man in, their own, in his own image. Obviously, the scriptures weren't available then. But had they listened to God and remember what God had said, God had already created man in his own image. They didn't have to do anything else to be like God. Do you know that's what a lot of people believe? Even when it comes to being delivered, even when it comes to being healed, the devil tries to sow a seed of doubt in their minds by telling them, if only you can get to that man, you'll be healed. If only you can uh, get that water from the Sea of Galilee, you'll be healed. If only you can add, it's the Jesus plus mentality. If only, if only you can do this. God already said, I've made you in my own image. The devil comes around and says, if you'll eat of this, you'll finally be in the image of God. There's always something you have to add to God's work. Let me tell you, the work of Jesus Christ, oh man, if you can get anything from this broadcast today, let it be this next words. The work of Jesus Christ at the cross is more than enough. It was the all-sufficiency sacrifice the bible says when he was hanging on that cross and he had those nails in his hands and nails in his feet and a crown of thorns on his head that he declared his final words were three words it is finished in the original greek tetelestai which literally means it's done the debt's been canceled there's nothing else to do everything has been settled your settlement has been established the work is sealed the work is settled this is the finish how many of you have ever heard the 
finished work of the cross. It's a finished work. There's nothing you can add to be delivered. There's nothing you can help God with that would aid and assist in your healing. There's nothing you can do to receive the freedom and the liberty and the breakthrough and the victory Jesus Christ has already purchased for you other than to just believe. Other than just say, Father, I thank you. That's why praise is such a powerful weapon. That's why the devil can inhabit an atmosphere of praise. Because an atmosphere of praise is an atmosphere of faith. And when faith comes alive, there's nothing the devil can do to you or your children to disrupt you anymore. Because faith is a victorious force. Faith is an all um, all-powerful force because faith taps into God's power and allows that power to flow through you. And when that faith is expressed through praise, God inhabits the praises of his people. And the devil has no fellowship with God. When God walks in, every devil must step out. When God steps in, every satanic agent has to bow out the bible says the evil shall bow before the good and the wicked at the gate of the righteous when the righteous one the king of kings steps in because of your praise why do you think we clap why do you think the bible says clap all your hands and shout unto god with a voice of triumph because clapping is not just to make noise clapping is actually there in the old days when an army would clap to make noise it was to announce two things number one it was to announce to the army that they were fighting that day that their defeat is today that they were about to lose the clapping was a signal of their defeat and of of that that army's triumph that they would ultimately from today onward be annihilated from the face of the earth that's why they would clap to, to like scare the army with all this noise that um that their defeat has come. But the second reason why people would clap was to announce, get this, the second reason why the people would clap was to announce the coming of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So when you're clapping in faith and shouting unto God with a voice of triumph like an army would, you're announcing to the devil, your days of terror in my life have ended yesterday and, then, and you're also announcing the coming of the King of Kings, the introduction, the, the, the bringing in, the ushering in, of the majestic one, the mighty one, who shall save? No wonder when people praise. I look at Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas begin to praise God with voices loud and high. And what happened? The scripture says that everyone's prison doors, whatever devil was keeping those prison doors closed, when they began to praise in high voltage, energetic praise, not this North American golf clap type of praise, energetic, high voltage, supernatural heart overflowing with gratitude type of praise the bible says everyone's prison doors were open and everyone's gates came everyone's shackles and chains came unloose and they left that place free praise if praise can destroy let me get this in your spirit today if praise can destroy physical shackles and chains if praise can destroy physical gates if praise can cause an actual earthquake how much what do you think what do you suppose praise does in the spiritual realm when you begin to open up your mouth what do you suppose it does to the devil and his cohorts and any work and any gate and any prison system the devil has seek to establish in your life when your praises goes up God's freedom comes down and every one of your gates come open that that is literally a picture when you read in Acts 16 it's a picture in God is painting a picture for you of what happens when you declare God's goodness what happens when you refuse to stay silent you see if you stay silent you'll be like a lamb led to the shearers and you'll be cut off but if you open up your mouth in high voltage praise and say let everything that has breath praise the 
Lord. Yeah, maybe this didn't go well, but at least I still have this. When you start to focus on God's goodness in your past, just like David did when he encountered Goliath, he didn't get scared or intimidated by Goliath. He began to say the same God that delivered me from the paw of the bear. Some of you are so focused on what the devil's done in the last year that you forgot what he's done, what God's done in the last decade, how God's been faithful, how God's rescued you, how God's helped you, how he's done it before. And he said, I'll do it again. If you'll stop groveling and complaining in shame and start rising up and say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continuously be on my mouth. Then you'll see that weeping doesn't do any good. Weeping can endure for a night, but you have to have joy come in the morning where you start to lift up holy hands and say, if my God did it then, he'll do it now. And the same devil that couldn't finish the work then won't finish it now because God already made a decree concerning me. He said, the work that I began in you, I shall complete it till the day of Jesus Christ. And that'll be your story. Let me get into this before I get carried away in praise. <laughs> Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. If you're just tuning in now, please help me to get the viewership up so we can reach more people by sharing this broadcast. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. We talked about that on, on uh, last Thursday. We talked about how to cast out demons. We talked about our superiority over the devil. We talked about how light drives out darkness. Darkness does not drive out light. That the Bible says, ye are the light of this world. And one of the, one of the tasks and responsibilities of light is to expel darkness. That's why we install lights in our house. It's because we don't want darkness. So when you turn the light on, the darkness comes, uh, the darkness leaves. So in the same vein, when you got saved, there was a light that was turned on. And if you would just get out of, you know, the Bible says no man lights a lampstand and puts it under a bed, but he puts it on a lampstand for everyone to see. And Jesus says, so let your light shine. Let your light shine before men in such a way. How do you let your light shine? shine by preaching the gospel. I was in Maquasagagan, northern Saskatchewan in 2019, December, and there was an epidemic, 14 people in the month that had attempted suicide. Four people actually killed themselves. The youngest one was seven years old, and that's in a town of 1,000. And that whole year, they were in Global News, they were in CTV News, they were on CBC News, epidemic in Maquasagagan, First Nation tribe up in northern Saskatchewan. And so my, my friend in the faith, my brother in the faith messaged me and said, man, this is terrible. Would you consider going to preach there? And I said, there's no considering. That's what we're called to do. And I didn't say, let's hold them in prayer. I didn't say, hey, brother, let's just, uh, let's just go on a 21-day fast. And we're going to believe God for a breakthrough there. No, you can fast and pray all you want. Fasting and prayer is good, and it prepares you, but it doesn't get the job done. Fasting and prayer is literally just to get the job done in you so that the job can be done through you when you get to the place and begin to open up your mouth as much as God wanted Cornelius saved in Acts chapter 10, he couldn't get him saved until God sent an angel to Peter to tell him. Notice how God didn't send the angel to, to Cornelius to tell him that this is the gospel and here's how you can get saved. He sent the angel to Cornelius to tell him to fetch for people 
that would tell him the gospel, that would preach him, preach them the gospel. Angels have not been given the task to preach the gospel. Angels have a responsibility to help those that preach the gospel, but man has been given the responsibility to preach the gospel. That's why Jesus said, so let your light shine in such a way that they might glorify your Father who is in heaven, that the light would be seen through you. How do you shine as light in a dark world? How do you shine as a child of light in a perverse a wicked, adulterous generation. Very simple. You don't keep quiet. You do like Paul said. I am not ashamed of the gospel. So what did we do? We went and we set up a one week long crusade and we preached every night and we didn't pray. We didn't set up a, a, a worship night where we're just going to pray prophetic. We're going to pray prophetic songs over this city. We're going to pray that angels be released and bind every devil. That's all just things that excite the human flesh. All of that just excites religion. All of that it seems to be doing something but it's actually doing nothing and if the devil can preoccupy people with doing that and get them distracted see if the devil can't keep you from going he's going to try and keep you from getting uh, focused on what actually works and get you distracted into like putting on purple leotards and just doing flag worship. Flag worship doesn't do anything to the kingdom of hell. Flag, demons are just laughing at you. You think waving a flag is going to do something. Demons are actually just laughing. Now, keep waving your flag. Ooh, scary. They don't care about that. When a demon gets scared, it's when a man opens his mouth, just like Philip did. He went down to Samaria and he preached Christ unto the people. And when he did... He didn't have to have a deliverance session. They didn't have a deliverance tent down the, down the road. They didn't have to come out and say, we're going to cast out demons. No, just him preaching Christ. The scripture says in Acts 8, then many that were demon possessed began screaming as the demons came out of them and those that were sick and taken with palsy were healed. So notice that a lot of what's done, a lot of what's done in modern day Christianity is all things that, that are uh, um, exciting to the flesh. They're all things that excite religion. Religion. They're all things that tickle people's funny bones, but it does absolutely nothing. What does something? It's the same. What would Jesus be doing today? People ask me that during COVID. You know, what do you think Jesus would be doing now? He'd be doing the same thing he always did. He'd be preaching, he'd be teaching, and he'd be healing the sick and casting out demons. He wouldn't be going, you know, around having little like nights of hope where let's, we're just going to get the community together and we're just going to like find common ground so that we can, you know, pursue peace in humanity. Jesus wasn't, he said, I didn't come to bring peace to the earth. I came to bring a sword. The gospel is an offense to many, but we're not focusing on those that are getting offended. We're focused on the ones that are in bondage, those that are bruised, those that have been taken advantage of, those that have been influenced and manipulated by satanic spirits. We're focused on those that are hurting, those that have broken hearts, those that are sick and in terminal illness, given over to death. We're focused on the ones that are interested. The Bible says to them it is an offense but to the others it is the gospel of salvation which is the power of God unto them that believe gotta quit lowering the thermostat in churches to suit the lukewarm instead raise it to biblical standards and you'll find out you'll draw in you have pastors complaining well nobody wants uh, you have pastors that complain um, you know America's lukewarm so lift up the thermostat Get your church on fire. Instead of complaining about everyone's lukewarm, nobody wants anything to do with God anymore. That's not true. We've had people, we had a, we had a family drive eight hours to be in our meeting in Cutsdown, Pennsylvania. Um, was it in Cutsdown? No, it was in York, Pennsylvania. 
in June. Drive eight hours from North Carolina to be in those meetings. There is a spiritual hunger in America such as has never been witnessed. And the people that are holding back progress in the church and the establishment of God's kingdom is not the devil. The devil's under the church's feet. It has nothing to do with the devil. The devil has no ability to withhold the advancement of the church. It's not God because he already said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The people holding back advancement are Christian leaders that are more interested in developing relationships with their community leaders and politicians than they are in preaching this gospel in offense and in everything that it is. These signs will follow those who believe. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Verse 18, they will take up serpents and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. I want to focus on verse 18. The first part of it says, and they will take up serpents. That is not talking about you going and buying rattlesnakes at the local safari uh, store that's near you. And you start, you know, putting your bath, uh, just filling your bathtub with rattlesnakes and green grass snakes and all kinds of snakes. And then you just start taking them up and videotaping yourself on YouTube to draw in a crowd. That's not what it's talking about. We're not talking about snake handling in the natural. The, Jesus knew full well when he said that what he meant. Anytime you see snakes or serpents or scorpions or even young lions, all, most of the time, 95, 99% of the time, it's referring to demonic powers. It's referring to satanic agents. It's referring to foreign entities, strange entities. It's referring to um, divisive powers that are on the earth, satanic powers. So when Jesus said, you're going to take up serpents and they will not by any means harm you, he was talking about being able to manhandle the devil and throw him out wherever you find him. I have a child. If I gave him this big tutu bear that was like a lion and it had like ferocious eyes and fangs, he might be afraid of it on day one. But once I show him that it's like not real, it's an inanimate object and I can push it, he's going to learn real quick. You'll find out in one week. You'll, he'll just be grabbing that, that teddy bear, that lion teddy bear or whatever, that lion, lion uh, stuffed animal, and he'll be grabbing it by the ear, dragging it right across the living room floor. Why? Because he had an encounter with this thing and found out it wasn't real or it wasn't as strong as what it was. Now, I'm not saying the devil is not real. However, I am saying, listen to this. This is what the Bible says of the devil in the book of Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due time, casting all your cares on him, God, because he cares for you. Verse 8, pay special attention. Be sober. Be vigilant. Mean be on the alert. Don't be dumb. Don't leave life to chance. Don't just think things. Don't just think things are going to sort out by themselves. Don't just walk around hoping the devil leaves you alone and misses you. No, the thief has three pronged attack: steal, kill, destroy. And if you do nothing, if you don't confront him, he'll conquer you and he'll strip life of its joy, and you won't have the abundant life that Jesus said you can have. So be sober. Take life seriously. Don't be like this modern generation. Everything's just like, everything's a joke. Everything, that's what the Bible calls frivolous, frivolity. Literally just, everything's a joke. Everything is, is laughable. Nothing is to be taken seriously. Everything is just idle, fable tales. The Bible says, he that follows frivolity shall be poor. 
That's in the book of Proverbs. Meaning you'll have nothing rich in life. Every aspect of your life will, will, be, uh, will be identified with poverty. You'll never have victory. Don't be frivolous. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. He is not a roaring lion. He is like a roaring lion. And I want to ask you something. Even if, let's say, just for the sake of this argument, even if the devil was a roaring lion, the Bible says he's like one, he is not one. He has to be an old lion by now. And if you study how old lions attack their prey, they don't do it like when they were younger, where they would pounce and they would overpower and they would run after and they would chase the gazelle until it lost its uh, breath and then finally it pounced on it and by its sheer strength it would take, it it would take its victim by, by surprise. That's not how old lions attack anymore. Old lions realize they don't have the physical strength to overtake. An old lion realizes it doesn't have the, the, uh, the, the physical strength to run and chase any longer. He's withered out. But the old lion still recognizes it has one ability and one power. And that is its ability to roar. And so what it does is it, it goes near a prey. It kind of like sneaks in and then it roars. And it's sheer roar. Because a roar can actually, a lion's roar, if you study it, can be heard from over three miles away. So just its roar paralyzes its victim, its prey, to a point where it kind of doesn't know what to do. And then it moves in slowly and attacks. The devil even if he was a lion, has to be an old lion by now. And so his only power is not to chase you down and overpower you. It's to roar. It's to scare you. It's to intimidate you. It's to strike fear in you. But if you'll do like Paul said in Philippians 1.28, in no way should you be terrified of your adversary, which is the devil, but you should rise up in boldness, which is a sign to them of its destruction, but to you of salvation. Your resistance to fear. If you will not fear, and if you'll, like the Bible says, resist the devil, stand firm in the faith, you won't have to fall victim to his calamities. You won't have to fall victim to his plans for your life. If you will resist fear, fear can be resisted. You can decide to fear, you can choose to fear, and you can choose to believe. You can choose to worry, or you can choose to be bold. You can choose to be concerned or you can choose to put your trust in the gospel and in the power of God. David said I am not, I am not going to soak in sorrow I'm not going to focus on what's going wrong in life. I'm going to trust the Bible says whenever I am afraid I will trust. I will make the decision to trust in his word for if I keep the Lord ever at my right hand I shall not be moved. I shall not be shaken I shall not give up and quit I shall not be afraid or dis made for I know that if God be for me nothing can come against me and prevail so what does it say be sober be vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about like a rowing lion he's like a rowing lion but he's just a mouse with a microphone he likes to make a lot of noise he likes to be deceiving and to be crafty the Bible says beware lest Satan not di- lest Satan overpower you, not lest Satan take you by force, not lest Satan uh, overwhelmingly conquer you. No, beware lest Satan be- deceive you by his subtility, his craftiness. The Bible says that's why, the equip- that's why there's the fivefold ministry. It's to build up the church, to equip the ministry 
to equip the saints for the work of ministry, lest we, all, lest we be children that are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and by the trickery of men and by devils. So when you're not equipped with the word, you're, until you know the truth, you'll be a victim of deception. Until you know the truth, you will constantly be a victim of deception. You see, if the devil tries to sow a seed in my, in my mind, you're going to get sick. This virus is going to get you. I, I don't have to be deceived because I know the word of God says he will bless my bread and my water and he'll take sickness out of the midst of me. If the devil says, uh, oh, depression runs through your family, depression is going to hit you. I can easily look to the word of God that says, great peace have they that love his law, and nothing shall cause them to stumble. I am entitled to great peace. David said very clearly in Psalm 1611, in his presence, in God's presence, there is fullness of joy at his right hand, pleasures forevermore. So I know if I stay connected to God's presence, I'm not going to have depression. I'm not going to have anxiety. I'm not going to have anything that causes distress or displeasure. I'm entitled to fullness of joy, not halfness of joy, not mostly joy in some rough times. No, I'm entitled to fullness of joy. And at his right hand, it doesn't say pressures forevermore. It says pleasures forevermore. So the devil tries to so deceive thoughts and as long as you are an enemy of truth and as long as you treat truth as like uh, as long as you despise truth you don't put a high premium on truth in that you're not sowing it into your spirit constantly you'll constantly be a victim of his tactics and his schemes that's why the bible says in Ephesians 6 be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might put on the full armor of God some of you are in warfare and you have no armor. And so that's why you have an arrow in your neck. You have another one in your calf. You're bru you have a bruised eye. God didn't call you to have bruised eyes and broken feet. The Bible says be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God. Why? Why do we put on the full armor of God? Brother, I got my, I got my armor on, but it seems like the devil still keeps penetrating through that shield of faith. You're a liar. You're a liar. The devil cannot penetrate the shield of faith. So if the devil's penetrating your life, it's obviously because the shield ain't set up correctly. Put on the full armor of God. Why? So that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's another thing. Is people love to point to human beings as their problem. They love to blame people for their problems. You have this victimhood mindset. Well, if it hadn't been for what they did to me, if it hadn't been for what they did to me, and so they hold ha hatred and anger towards human people, which God said you're to love all people, and not only your people that like you back, if, you're, if uh, you love only those that love you back, what good and what reward will you have? Don't tax collectors and sinners do the same? Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those that spitefully use you, Jesus said. But you have a generation of people, and it's even creeping into the church, that their oppression today is because of the sins of somebody else. It's because they wronged me. It's because they did this to me. It's because they did that to me. And so they're, they're directing, they're channeling their anger towards humans, and the devil's standing back and laughing because he's the actual source of your trouble. You don't, you don't know what they did to me. Who cares what they did to you? They weren't the one doing it. They just tied up their human vessel to, to the devil's plans and the devil was the one that came to destroy you. 
So instead of channeling your hatred, instead of channeling violence towards people, instead identify your enemy. The greatest reason why people are constantly in need of deliverance, the greatest reason why people are constantly in need of help, the reason why people are always in a state of brokenness, they never rise up in their authority and God-given dominion, is because they think that human, human vessels, flesh and blood, are the reasons of their problems when the scripture says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers in heavenly places, against spiritual forces of darkness in heavenly places. And the scripture says that our weapons are not carnal against flesh and blood, but they are spiritual weapons for the pulling down of those strongholds. You go to like regions. You look at an Ephesus. In Ephesus, in Acts chapter 19, when, when Paul began to preach and demons were being cast out, and he cast out one, like he obviously cast out a principality because nobody wanted to buy idols of the, the, the goddess Diana anymore. Acts chapter 19, the Bible says the people that made the idols got together and they said, our business is in danger of disrepute. And the temple of Diana is in danger of being irrelevant now because this Paul has been... He's been wreaking havoc on our, on our work. So as Paul began to cast out demons, the stronghold that that demon God had over that region was broken and people began to bring their magic books, their idols, their sorcery, and they burnt them in the sight of them all. And the total of it was over 50,000 pieces of silver. So when Paul dealt with the, not with the people, he didn't go after burning down the temple. You look at Paul in Acts chapter 17, he goes to Athens and he sees that the, the city had been given over to idolatry and his spirit was vexed within him. He saw that the Athenians were given over to all kinds of idols and, and gods and goddesses and witchcraft. And his spirit got angry. He, he felt compassion for the people of Athens because he knew if he didn't open up his mouth, they'd go to hell. So what did he do? Did he open up an anti-idol activism center? And he began to rally people that were against activism. And they began to, you know, rally their efforts together. And, and they started to have open protests. And they had, they had uh, signs that they were picketing in the streets, down with idols, down with idols. No, he didn't do that. He got to the, 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 Agop, the Agopara, the Arepaga. And he began to open up his mouth and he preached the gospel. And when he did, many, the Bible says, believed on him and followed him. So his attack against what darkness was doing was not by, was not by uh, aiming his efforts at what he saw in the natural realm, which was idol worship. He aimed it by preach. He brought light onto the scene. And when the light came in, people that were in bondage to darkness were released and they didn't want to go back to their idol worship. They didn't want to go back to their temple worship. They didn't want to go back to buying idols at their local marketplace. When I went to Macquasagagon, we preached them. We preached the gospel. And months later, the pastor of the church, I got in contact with him. He told me, there's only been one suicide since you've left. One suicide. And there had been 14 attempts the month that we got there were four successful. This was months later. They, had only, they tried to throw in humanitarian efforts. They tried to bring in uh, the Red Cross. They tried to bring in um, programs that they thought, like government-funded programs that they thought would encourage the kids and, you know, help them to... Help them to see life is worth living. All of that failed. But when the gospel hit the region, it expelled the darkness. And people were set free. So we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we put on the full armor of God. So that we may be able to stand. So that means you're able to stand. 
I don't know if I'm able to. You're able to stand if you'll follow the instructions of scriptures in putting on the full armor of God. What's the full armor of God? The belt of truth is the first thing he mentions. Gird your loins with the belt of, tr the belt of truth, with the word of God. If you're ignorant of what God has made you to be in Christ Jesus, and I'm going to go through five things, five redemptive realities that you now have that give you overwhelming dominion over the devil. Five redemptive realities that put you over Satan and his demons. Five redemptive realities that once you come into the knowledge of these things, you'll carry a superiority complex over the devil and his work. Five redemptive realities that will put you on top no matter the battle. That will cause you to walk around with a strut, knowing that I'm not some cheap, wretched thing anymore. I am a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, and I carry God's very own life in me. And as such, I'm anointed to be more than a conqueror everywhere I go. Before I get there, let me just finish this. The, gird up your loins with the belt of truth. What's the belt of truth? It's the word of God. My people are destroyed because they have no knowledge of the truth. The Bible says that um, in Proverbs 16.20, He that wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. Meaning if you wander from understanding, if you stay away from the scriptures, and you have no understanding, no ability to skillfully apply God's word in wisdom, you will rest in the assembly of the dead. What does that mean? Your life will look no different from people who don't even have Christ. Your life will look absolutely matched, matched up with people who don't even have Jesus as their Savior. He that wanders from the way of understanding, understanding will have a life that is a mirror image of someone who doesn't even know Christ as Lord and Savior. And I see that far too much in my travels. That's why I take time. Why do you think I constantly am talking about dominion? I'm constantly talking about your, the reality of who you are in Christ now. I'm constantly talking about seven things the Bible says about you. I'm constantly bringing up uh, your identity now in Christ. I constantly tell you what you are in Christ, who you are in Christ, what you can do in Christ. It's because if the devil can keep you blinded to these truths, he has you. But the moment you start to awaken to these redemptive realities, when you put on the belt of truth, what does a belt do? It holds things together. When you don't have truth, everything falls flat. Everything seems apart. Everything seems like it's, it's a mess. But when the belt comes, it holds things together. It keeps you intact. The truth of God's word will keep you intact. No matter what the devil tries to unravel in your life, when you stand strong on the word of God, his efforts fail. The Bible says those who put their trust in God's truth will be like Mount Zion. They shall never be moved. They shall abide forever. Then it doesn't stop there. It says put on the breastplate of righteousness. That's another reason why people don't walk in, in dominion. They're not aware of their righteousness in God. They're always focused on their past sins. The devil tries to remind them of their past and then they start to get condemned, feeling thoughts of guilt, feeling thoughts of condemnation. When the Bible says there's now therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus who no longer walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. But if you constantly have condemning thoughts of yourself and carry a consciousness of sin and think that you're just some vile, old, wretched, deprived sinner... And that you should just be happy you're making heaven. You're not going to have authority over the devil. The devil won't respect your command. You won't have any position. No voice 
You know, it's not just what you say that matters. It's how you say it. And when you are in condemnation, when you feel guilt, when you haven't broken free from your, uh, the mentality of your past, from the, 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 the acu- accusations of the devil concerning your past, you're never gonna, you might quote the scripture, but there's never going to be power behind the scripture so that the devil runs. It's not just quoting scripture that matters. There's a lot of people who quote scripture. doesn't do a thing. A lot of people who say by his stripes we're healed and they're still sick. It's not about just quoting the scripture. It's about how you quote it. What did Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Satan. For a man shall not live by bread alone. There was a pressure that was rising up. There was a violence in Jesus' spirit. Why? Because Jesus was the sinless and is the sinless uh, lamb that was without spot or wrinkle. Jesus didn't carry a consciousness of sin. He was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. So because he didn't carry a consciousness of his sin, he could react violently to the devil. The devil can keep you crippled by bringing up your past. Then he'll continually continually cripple you in every aspect of your life. But instead, if you'll rise up and say, that's under the blood. He who knew no sin became sin that I might become the righteousness of God. I don't even carry a righteousness of my own. I don't, I'm not clean because I live holy. I'm clean because Jesus Christ has made me clean. Though my sins were as crimson, I'm now made white like snow. And as such, the devil, you can accuse all you want. But the Bible says, I overcame those accusations by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of my testimony. And because I don't love my life even unto death, I'm not going to be held down and be a victim of my past. I I'm rising up because of what Christ accomplished for me at that cross called Calvary. I'm forgiven. I'm cleansed from all unrighteousness. I am holy even as he is holy. And when that comes on you, you're not going to put up with what the devil's trying to do in your life. You're not just going to sit back and hope that he leaves. You're not just going to sit on the sideline and just wait for him to leave. Something will come in you where you'll say, oh, not in this house. We're blood bought. We're blood washed. We carry God's righteousness. We've been set apart. We've been made holy unto the Lord. Enough is enough. The last day we ever stayed in defeat was yesterday. We're rising up. Everything Jesus said we can have, we're going to have. We're taking possession of it by force. And anything that stands in my way shall be flattened. In Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So let me go through five redemptive realities. Five things redemption has made you to be. Number one, in Christ, you're a new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we, re- we regard nobody, no believer, according to the flesh. We don't see believers as flesh and blood any longer. We don't see them as mere humans. We don't identify them as human beings any longer. Even though we knew Christ according to the flesh. We saw Christ as a human being. But now we, the, we know him thus no longer. So when Jesus walked with them, he was human. 100% human, 100% God. And uh, Paul is saying when, we, when Christ was on the earth, we regarded him as according to the flesh. We, he was flesh and blood. And um, we saw him as a human. But now we don't see him as that, as, as that anymore, any longer because he's 
He's ascended on high, and he's been given a glorified body. And the Bible says when John saw him on the island of Patmos, his eyes were like a flame of fire. He, he looked totally different. Well, the scripture says, therefore, from now on, we should no longer regard people, believers, as according to the flesh. Should no longer look at people as humans that are believers, that are born again. Why? Verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, everything has become new. So if you're in Christ Jesus, you're not your old sinner self. If When you're in Christ Jesus, you're not a, a, a renovated version of your old you. You're not a reformatted you. You're not a, 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 an improved self. How many of you have heard that? You have people, even pastors that preach how to improve, self-improvement. You don't want to self-improve. John the Baptist said, I must decrease, he must increase. So it's not about self-improvement. You have to start to realize, I'm a new creature. I'm a new species of being. I am what the world has never yet witnessed before. You're a son of God. Do you know the Bible says that we who have received Christ Jesus are no longer confined by the elementary principles of this world? The Bible says he has delivered us from this present wicked age according to the will of God our Father. We're no longer confined to human inadequacy. I'm no longer confined to human insufficiencies. I no longer talk about what humans can do. I talk about what God can do through me. No wonder Paul said, now unto him who's able to do far more abundantly all that we can ask or think or imagine according to what? His power in us. So I'm a new creation. I'm not a human, so I don't talk like humans. You got to quit talking like humans. You got to quit confessing what humans confess. You got to start confessing what born again believers confess, what new creatures confess, what those who have been made in the image of God confess. You know what 1 John 5, uh, I think it's 1 John 4, 17 says? The Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. We've been made brand new. As Christ is, so are we a representation of in this world. That's why when the devil tries to whisper in your ear, you know, your grandfather had cancer, your father had cancer, you should probably go and get checked up. You probably will have cancer. I'm a new creation. I, I don't have the same lineage I used to have. I don't come from the same generational line that I used to be from. I've come into a new family. I belong just like, you know, the, the, the son the son of a goat is a goat. The son of a lion is a lion. The son of a God has become, I'm not saying you've become God, but you have now God in you, and you're something the world has, you're, you have God's nature, his divine nature. You've become a partaker of that nature in you. So that what ran through your human line and your human, your human um, genealogy, what ran through your family, what was generationally passed down, no longer passed since through me. I'm a new creature in a new family, part of a new house. I'm no longer a stranger. I who was far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, in Christ, in this new creation, every promise of God is yes and amen for those that are in Christ Jesus. So I don't go by what the world says I can have. I go by what God said I could have. So when the devil comes in, and tries to dominate. 
He dominates basically when people identify with their past nature and not with their new nature. He is able to dominate and control and conquer the one who, who even if you are th theoretically a new creation, because the Bible says that, if you're blinded to that fact and you still talk about how life is hard, about how things never get better for me, about how it seems like every time I take a step forward, it's like five steps back. When you constantly concentrate on what your past nature was like, when you identify with your former you, the devil will gladly come in and put back that yoke of bondage he had set up on you that Christ already broke. That's why Galatians 5 says, no longer subject yourself to a yoke of bondage from which you've been delivered of. Instead, I, I'm a new creature. God's very own life lives in me. I've been raised up and made, it, made to be seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I carry the very DNA of God. So that means when I plugged in, the Bible says we have been grafted into Christ. And we are partakers of the root and the nature of that tree. When you are grafted into Christ, your old dead you... The, old, you, the Bible says in Romans 6, the old man, we've been delivered from the old man, we've been raised up from the dead, and we now, by the glory of the Father, walk in newness of life. New lives. It's not new you, old life. It's not, we, yeah, we're new creations, but we still have the old life. No, a new you and a new life. Newness of life. And when we were grafted in, the very DNA of God Began to run through your body. Began to run through your system. Began to run through your mind. Began to run through your feet. Began to run through your spirit. Began to run through your soul. So that you now, you shouldn't talk inadequacy. You shouldn't talk human weakness. That's why Paul was told by Jesus, where you are weak, now you're strong. My grace is sufficient for you. Joel said, let the weak say I'm strong. So begin to confess, I'm strong. Because I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is passed away. What's the old? Weaknesses of the flesh passed away. Sicknesses in the family passed away. Depressions in the mind passed away. Disasters in life passed away. The old me is dead. Behold, if any man be in Christ, all things have been made new. Number one, you're a new creation. Number two, redemptive realities that give you dominion over the devil that will cause you to rise up in boldness and in confidence to take authority over what the enemy is trying to do in your life number two you're translated Colossians chapter 1 I'm going to read every one of these scriptures because I quote them a lot but some people I don't think actually believe it's in the Bible but let me, let me show you it's in the Bible Colossians chapter 1 verse 9 for this reason we also, since the day we heard of it, don't cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Paul's saying, I'm praying for you that you might, be no, you might be made aware of or that you might be filled with the knowledge of God's will concerning you in wisdom and spiritual understanding. So it's not, well, Lord, whatever you want done, you get it done. It's, Lord, what do you want done? I'm not going to walk foolishly. I'm not going to walk... Uh, randomly i need to know the bible says know the will of the lord let the will of the lord be made known and walk ye in it be filled with the knowledge of his will if you don't know what his will the devil will make anything you encounter in life seem to be his will 
But when you start to know his will, then if you start to see things that don't line up with that will, a violence will come in your spirit to counterattack that thing and bring it into submission to God's will and bring the reality of his word in your life. That you may walk worthy of, of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. There you go again. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience, long-suffering with joy. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father. Why? Because he's qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Verse 13, Jesus has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. He has translated you, transferred you out of the kingdom of darkness. What's the kingdom of darkness? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, the, Satan is the god of this age, the god of this world. What does it mean by world? It doesn't mean he owns the land. It means he, he is the god of the wicked system set up in this world. People ask me all the time, if there really was a god, why is it that there's sickness? Why is there poverty? Why is there famine? Why are there impoverished nations? Because Satan is, when Adam forfeited uh, the legal right to this world, to Satan by his sin, Satan assumed the governing position over the affairs of this world. Satan has, when Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, and Satan said that the, the world and the kingdoms of this world have been given unto me, and I give to whomever I wish, therefore bow and worship me, Jesus replied, thou shalt worship the Lord your God, and his, him only shall you serve. But notice that that was a temptation for Jesus or else it wouldn't have been called the temptations or else Jesus would not have been tempted. But obviously what Satan said was true. The kingdoms of this age, the world, the wicked system that has been set up belongs to him. He has ownership to some things on this earth. If he didn't, then he would have been made a liar. He would have been lying in that, in that, 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 uh, that wilderness and Jesus wouldn't have even had to counter with the word. He would have just said, no, that's not even true. It's not even true. Nothing belongs to you. But no, obviously, what Satan told Jesus, that he had authority, he had a governing position over certain things on earth, was true. Or else Jesus would have never been tempted, and he wouldn't have been tempted in all points as we are, and that would have made Jesus a liar, because he said he was tempted. So Satan governs the system in this world. What's in his system? What has been set up? What... What does Satan's kingdom of darkness look like? Sickness, disease, depression, marital distress, um, pressure in the home, adultery, wickedness of all sorts, anger, hatred, bitterness, drunkenness, debauchery, dissipation, dissension, everything that's listed in the Bible as wicked. It's not God. God created the earth. How? And he created all things and he said it was very good. God created this world very good. It's when Adam sinned and the enemy had entrance. He entered in through the gateway of sin into the world and set up his own wicked regime. And that's when sickness began to happen. That's when Adam had the sniffles. That's when diabetes came on the scene. That's when people started to die prematurely. That's when people had to bury their young. That's when people... Uh, had their life tragically cut short because of car accident. None of that happened in the Garden of Eden. 
And so we see, it's not hard to determine what is darkness and what is light. If it's not found in heaven, then it's not light and it's not good. It's darkness and it's of the devil. It's part of his kingdom. It's part of his wicked agenda for mankind. So what do we know? We have been translated out of the domain of darkness and translated into the domain, the kingdom of light. So what does that tell you about yourself? Where Satan used to rule in the area of your health, he no longer rules. I want to ask you something. If faith had the ability, because remember, we're translated by faith. We got saved by faith. If faith had the ability to remove you from the headquarters of the devil, which is sin, and bring you into, uh, bring you into eternal life, then don't you think that same power called faith has the power to give you dominion? in order to remove you from the suburbs of hell? Sin is the headquarter of hell. But once you got the sin problem dealt with, once you accepted Christ and you got translated out of sin into righteousness, out of hell into heaven, then the suburbs are easy. And faith can translate you out of sickness into health. Faith can translate you out of disease into to, to strength. Faith can translate you out of poverty into prosperity. Can translate you out of judgment into freedom. Out of, lib out of captivity into liberty. Faith can translate you out of bondage into overwhelming freedom. Colossians 1.13, we have left the dominion. I'm no longer subject to Herod's decrees. I'm no longer subject to the devil's governing rule and authority over my life. He does no longer get to decide or determine the affairs of my life. I'm now in the kingdom of light. And what does light do? Because I'm part of the kingdom of light, the darkness can't cohabitate with light. And because I'm part of the kingdom of light, the devil has no place in that kingdom because he's the prince of darkness. Are you getting what I'm saying? Satan is the prince of darkness. He has no ability to dwell where light is. And I belong to the kingdom of light. You know what that tells you? Because you belong to the kingdom of light, and now you are light in the Lord, the scripture says. You aren't only safe from darkness. You aren't only, you know the Bible says, in righteousness you shall be established. You, you, you shall be far from terror and from oppression. It shall not come near you. I'm not only safe or preserved or kept in refuge from the powers of darkness. Light expels darkness. I'm now given authority to find out where darkness is rearing its ugly face and go there and just my presence on the scene is more than enough to remove the devil. The darkness has no place where, dwell, where light shines. And you, are, you belong to the kingdom of light and you are light. So if there's darkness in your home, turn on the light. Start to speak the word of God. If your children are starting to fall into depression and they don't act the way they used to act. They used to have a pep in their step and now they're just dragging their feet through life. You take authority over that thing. I'm light. Devil, this home belongs to the Lord. Everything that pertains to this home, everything that dwells in this home, everyone, even our cats are blessed. And the Bible says very clearly, there shall be no divination against Israel. There shall be no witchcraft against the house of Jacob. Anything that represents divination, anything that represents darkness, anything that bears the registered trademark of hell has no business being in this home. By the light of the gospel in me, I expel that right now.
We need priests in the home. A strong nation is built on strong families. And strong families are built on strong spiritual leaders and priests in the home. That's why it's so important to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Your pastor is not the priest of your home. You are the priest of your home. Start to identify Satan's attack against your house. Start to identify the work of the devil against your home. Start to identify the root of what your home is experiencing and then go around uprooting everything my father has not rooted. Uproot the... Jeremiah 1.10 says, I have this day set you above kingdoms and above nations to uproot and to destroy and to plant and to deploy. So we have authority. The believer has authority, especially in their home and especially within the vicinity of their own family. To uproot any scheme of hell. To uproot any, any work of hell. To uproot and to, de to destroy. Not just to uproot and then plant it somewhere else. To uproot and destroy and then to plant God's promises in your family, in your house, in your life. So you have to start talking like you're translated. You've been transferred. I'm not in the... The world says... This is going to happen this year. Another virus is coming out. Not me. Well, it would suck to be under the kingdom of darkness. Thank God I'm part of the kingdom of light. Those things don't happen to people like us. Those things don't happen to people like me. I might be in this world, but I'm not of this world. I've been born from above, and that which is born from above is above all. Which leads me to point number three. You're peculiar. You're strange to this world. You should look like strange to this world. You're a different type of breed. You're a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. You've been called forth out of darkness to proclaim his praises in this generation. You once were not the people of God, but now are ye the people of God. You once were not shown mercy, but now have ye been shown mercy. You once had nothing working for you, but now you have God working for you. You're peculiar. Your life should look strange. Jesus, the Bible says when he walked, they marveled and they said, we've seen strange things like this. Other places it said of him that we've never seen anything like this in all of Israel. In John 9, when Jesus healed that man born blind, he reported, isn't it an odd thing? You don't know where Jesus is from, yet he's healed my eyes. From the beginning of the world, it has never been heard of, of a man healing a man that was born blind. Strange things. Paul He's making a, a, he's a prisoner shipwrecked at Malta and he's making a fire. And as he makes the fire, a viper comes out and fastens on his hand and he shakes it off and puts it in the fire. And the Bible says that the, the natives of that island began to look at Paul and said, though this man escaped the sea because he's a murderer, they thought he was like some vile criminal. They didn't know he was just being, he was in chains because of his faith. He said, though this man escaped the sea, judgment was not, does not permit him to live. And so they waited for him to die. They were waiting for the venom to kick into his system and him to just drop dead randomly. But they waited a long while and they saw that he did not die. And when they saw that, they perceived him to be a God amongst men. Hallelujah. When God sent Moses to Pharaoh, he said, I'm making you a God to Pharaoh. Moses was very strange to Pharaoh. When he threw his rod on the floor and it became a serpent, Pharaoh's servants threw three rods on the floor and they became serpents, but Pharaoh's serpents were swallowed up by Moses' rod. And then it became a rod again and he held it up in his hand. Then when the river, he turned the waters into blood, they tried to do the same. And after ten plagues, 
Pharaoh understood, this guy, ain't this, this guy is not just some sorcerer from another nation. This guy is not just some, uh, you know, he's not just some other uh, warlock or something. He's, this guy obviously serves the true living God, and he let the people go. Moses was strange to Pharaoh. You know that God said, as the living, Jesus said this, as the living father sent me to this world, and Jesus was sent to this world and was a phenomenon to his generation, even so now send I you. You're sent to look like Jesus, smell like Jesus, act like Jesus, be like Jesus, speak like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. You're peculiar. You're not some regular Joe Schmo. You're anointed. You're not just some regular human walking around. Just a number out of the 7.8 billion that live on this earth. No, you've been set apart. The Bible says the Lord knows those whom are his. You belong to God. When you walk through the fire, it won't burn you. When you walk through the waters, they won't drown you. When you walk through the rivers, they won't overflow you. You're peculiar to God. You're, you're, the Bible says you are God's, you're the apple of God's own eye. And the Bible says he that touches you touches the apple of mine eye and I will shake my fist on him. Hallelujah. I mean, even though we all have problems in life, problems might come. But the Bible says we're not to cooperate with problems. We're not to cooperate with the devil. We're not to try and manage his work. The Bible says this is the victory that has overcome the world. In this world, you will have trial and tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world, and I've deprived it of any ability to ever harm you. You're peculiar. Stop thinking. That this is just another lot in life. That's another bad hand of cars has been dealt your way. No. As long as you think that way, you're never going to take authority over the attack that's been sent to destroy you. But when you start to say, no, I don't have to. I don't have to have that. Royalty doesn't go through the same things that peasants go through. And I'm a royal priesthood. Revelation chapter 5. He hath redeemed us by his blood unto our God and, unto our God and Father. And he hath made us kings and priests. I am a king by Christ Jesus to reign in life and dominate the things that dominated me. I have dominion. Number four, you're above all. He that is born from above is above all. And the Bible says very clearly that you were made to be seated together with him in heavenly places. So you're far above. You're far above all. You're far above. What does it mean to be far above? It means that the things that are below can't impede on you any longer. It means that the things that are far below can't affect you any longer. If I get on a roof and I have the vantage point, my two-year-old son, who's like two foot five or whatever he is, I don't know how tall he is, do you think he has any ability to drag me down? I'm, I'm born from above. I'm far above. And the Bible says I'm seated in heavenly places. Do you know that the devil, Revelations, 5, uh, Revelations 12 says, there was no more place found for him in heaven? That means where I dwell, the devil has no access to. Where I dwell, the devil has no gateway to access. I'm seated far above in Christ Jesus. Far above what? Far above principalities, far above powers, far above dominion, far above any might, far above any name that is named, not only in this age but, and also, but also in that which is to come. 
If, if I'm far above, I'm out of the devil's arm reach to pull me down to where he's at. I'm not on the same playing field. We're not on level ground, me and the devil. It's like trying to go to space without a spacesuit. You'd die. In the same vein, you can't, the devil can't access. He, he has no ability to access where I'm now seated with Christ Jesus. So quit giving him room in your life by seeing him in everything that's going on. Can't get a job. It's the devil. No, it's not. It's because you can't keep a job because you're so lazy and you keep tuning in and keep coming in late every single job you have and you keep getting fired. That's nothing to do with it. People see the devil in everything and so they do that to like alleviate themselves from any responsibility on their end to live diligently in life. The devil's not in everything. That's not to say he's not in anything at all. He's in some things. But people give him way too much power by identifying himself, by identifying him in everything. Oh, it must be the devil. You're seated far above. Do you know what dominion does? That's why I entitled this, going from deliverance to dominion. Dominion empowers you to live as though the devil did not exist. That doesn't mean he doesn't exist. He does exist. But dominion gives you ability. And it puts you on a path where you're running and moving forward as though he were a non-issue. Dominion is having it your way every day, any day, and the devil doesn't have a say. Doesn't have a say. Dominion is having it your way every day, any day, and the devil doesn't have a say. You should memorize that. People, that's right, Brianna. People give him so much credit. God lives in you. Not some of God lives in you. Not most of God lives in you. Not a portion of God lives in you. All of who God is. When you got redeemed, all that God is, all that God has, all that God has in His possession is now in you. Do you know the Bible says in Galatians that God is above, in uh, Ephesians, God is above all, He is through all, and He's in you all. God is at work in you both to do and to will His good pleasure. When you start to understand that the triune God is in you, that the one who, the Bible says, destroyed him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and made a public spectacle over him, triumphing over him at the cross. The one who bruised, crushed the devil's head and took the keys of death, hell, and the grave back from him and ascended on high, whose eyes are like a flame of fire. When you start to understand that the Bible says, the everlasting God who neither wearies nor faint, the one who is the all-powerful, the one who is clothed in power, the one who, is, who reigns in majesty, the one who is called King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who is the Lion of Judah, the one who is above all. The Bible says He is the one who triumphs in the work of His hand, who does valiantly, who treads down His enemy, whose right hand has become mighty in power. That God dwells in you. What, what do you think is going to happen the next time you see? See, the, people why, the reason why people stay in the deliverance mode is because they don't see this. They, don't, they either don't see it or they don't believe it. When I get up in the morning, I tell myself, God is in this man. 
Wherever this man goes, God goes. Wherever my two feet stand, God stands. I'm not saying I am God. I'm not God. I am a vessel that God uses to bring his power to my generation. But you want to know the good thing is? If I turn on a faucet, the spout of that faucet gets the taste of the water first. Because I'm a vessel of God where God is pouring out his power to this generation. Because he's pouring out his power. His, his rivers of life are pouring through me. I get the taste and see first and then it hits the others. When you start to see that, you, you don't walk around constantly in need of a breakthrough. You start to realize, you start to go on a chase and a hunt, finding people who need help, finding people who need breakthrough, finding people who are bound by depression so that you can exercise this power and so that people can be set free. Which means me number five, redemptive reality. You're a winner now in Christ. God's nature, which dwells in you, is, is, is contrary to defeat. It's contrary to failure. It's contrary to, 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 to defeat. God's nature, God can't lose. And He lives in you, you can't lose. So stop accepting defeat. Stop accepting failure. And instead, start to uh, feed off that power in you. To change the failures into feats. To change the defeats into, into triumphs. Uh, God is for your success, man. If you don't believe that, you don't know God. Any parent is, desires for their children to succeed. My child, I want him to succeed, and all my resources, all my power, everything I am is available for him to succeed. I'll do anything I can to help him succeed. If you think I have that desire for my child and God doesn't have that desire for me. So don't just walk through life thinking that failure is a regular part of life. And then people use the scripture, a righteous man falls seven times but rises again. Yeah, a righteous man falls seven times. A righteous man can fall seven times. He doesn't have to fall seven times. You can stand strong. You can, having, having done all, to still, to still stand. Ephesians 6 says you can pick up the shield of faith which quenches every fiery dart. Any dart, anything that the devil has launched your way to cause you to fail, the Bible says the shield of faith will quench it. Meaning it won't come to pass. Meaning it won't have the ability to erode what God's trying to do in your life. It won't have the ability to, to, to break you down in failure. You can stand strong. You can, having done all, still stand. You can resist the devil, standing firm in the strain, and the God of all peace will establish you, strengthen you, perfect you, and keep you strong until that day. Because greater is he that lives in you than he that is in the world. I want you, if you're watching right now, James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee. You can't have any power to resist the devil until you first submit yourself to God. You have to submit yourself to God. What does it mean to submit yourself to God? It means to humble yourself before God. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I need, to, I need my life to turn around. I come to you with all my aches and pains. I come to you with all my failures and defeats. I come to you all that I am. In humility, and I, I, I bow before you, and I say, Father, let old things be done away with. Let today be a, a day that marks a new beginning for me. 
The Bible says that you are dead in sins and your trespasses as long as you're away from Christ. But God was rich in mercy. He sent Jesus to, to, to lift you out of that pit of sin, that pit, that perilous state of depravity so that you can, ex, you can receive Christ's life. You can exchange your death for His life. Exchange your bondage for His freedom. You can be translated out of the rule of Satan into the rule of God. You know, the devil rules people. And he tries to keep them from coming to Christ because the moment you come to Christ, he realizes, you, he knows that he can't rule you any longer. Just like a Cambodian police officer can't arrest me in Montreal, Canada. The same vein, the devil can't arrest me because when I got saved, I came out of his jurisdiction. He has no authority where I dwell. So come to Christ today. Come out. Of the unclean thing. Come out of this world. Come out of the destruction, destructive forces of darkness. And enter in. To the blessing of God. The way you do that. Is by receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If that's you right now. You've never given your life to Christ. I want you to pray this prayer with me. From the bottom of your heart. Father in Jesus name. I come to you. I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. I turn from my old ways. And I turn to you. Forgive me of my sin. Where I was weak, make me strong. I humble myself before you. Let your blood wash away my sins. Fill me with your spirit. I thank you that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Heaven is my home. I'm never moving backward. God is my father. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love for you to go on our website, salvationnow.ca. The first link that pops up is I just got saved. Fill it out. Get it to me. I want to uh, hear from you at the bottom of the page. There's a link to a YouTube video that I uh, created just for you that says, uh, it's titled, Four Basic Things Every Christian Must Do. I need you to go and watch that. It's going to help you greatly. Salvationnow.ca. I just got saved. For everyone else that's walking right now, uh, watching right now, I want to pray for you. You watched, you know, we don't just preach to teach and inform and tickle our ears. We preach to take, <clears throat> to take charge over things. We preach so that we can boot the devil out of people's lives, so that we can release a weapon to cast down, tear down, destroy every satanic stronghold that the enemy has sought to, to set up in your life. And that's what's going to happen right now. I pray that as I preach, a holy indignation rose up in your spirit where you said enough is enough. I'm born from above. I'm not going to tolerate things that are below. I'm above sickness because sickness is from below. I'm, I'm seated and I'm, my citizenship is in heavenly places and what's not present in heaven has no place in my body. What's not present in heaven has no place in my life. What's not present in heaven has no place in my, in my children. What's not present in heaven has no place in my business, has no place in my career, has no place in my finances, has no place in my mind. Any I take authority right now over every tormenting spirit, over every spirit that would uh, plague your mind, that would, uh, that would get you to, to, 
to be bound by depression, any tormenting spirit of schizophrenia, any tormenting spirit of obsessive compulsive disorder, any tormenting spirit of depression, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, every oppression of the devil, I command to break off your life right now. Anything that bears the registered trademark of hell gets eradicated, gets totally annihilated, gets supernaturally demolished right now from the root. It gets uprooted and deplanted in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, I command freedom in your life. I command the snares of the enemy to be disrupted and destroyed. The Bible says, had it not been the Lord who was on our side, we would have been devoured by the enemy. But thanks be unto God who has destroyed the snares of the fowler. Every snare that's been set up to keep you bound, to keep you captive, to get you to trip up and slip up. In Jesus' name, it gets destroyed and it gets removed out of your path right now. In righteousness, I declare you're established. From today, you shall be far from oppression. You shall be far from terror. It shall not come near you in the name of Jesus Christ. Every tongue that has risen up against your destiny to condemn you, I release condemnation on those things. In Jesus' name. I set you free from the vices of the enemy. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet, be it spiritual, be it solical, or be it physical. In Jesus' name, I put on your life a touch-not decree. A touch-at-your-own-risk decree. That any devil that stretched forth his hand from this point onward, the shield called faith would extinguish every fiery dart sent your way. In Jesus' name, be free. That's right, Natasha. We call it done by faith. In the name of Jesus Christ. Take authority over any demon spirit that's been harassing the people of God. Any manipulative force in spiritual, in, in heavenly places that is hooked on to anybody watching this broadcast right now in Jesus' name. I feel a special unction for this. Right now. I see scissors coming and just cutting off that rope. You are free. The yoke is destroyed and the ropes, every rope of sin, every rope of addiction, every rope called sickness, every rope called mental distress, every rope called marital distress, every rope that's been on your children, it is getting snipped right now in the name of Jesus. And you're free. You're free. So take ten time right now. Take the next 10, 20 minutes just to lift your hands and thank God. You're free. You're free. You're not coming out of it. You're free right now. Daughter, son, like the Word of God says, thy faith has made thee well. Go and be whole of thy affliction. In Jesus' name. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online www.salvationnow.ca God bless you and until next time.